Well, good morning. You too? Good morning. All right, good. Everybody's here. Good. Well, welcome to Mission View Church. My name is Matt. I'm the lead pastor here at Mission View. If this is your first time here or you're joining us online for the first time, we're so glad you joined us. Hope you've enjoyed worship so far. It was powerful. I just, um, man, really, really appreciate being able to come to worship today. We have, I don't know if you've been keeping track or not, we have two more Sundays here at the high school. Two. You talk about counting down. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Right, praise the Lord. If you haven't been by uh, the new building, check it out. I think we have a picture. Look at that. That's not a rendering. That's our actual building. That's the real deal right there. The MV is on the front. There's going to be another sign put up to the left there. It says Mission View Church. Oh, good job, lighting guy. Good job. Thanks, Sherman. Great job. Yeah, so it's really coming together. The, um, the kids' rooms, the second floor is pretty much finished. Uh, carpet's in, um, and the first floor is going to probably finish this next week, so really excited to get in there and, and have church. It's going to be a great time. Just to fill you in, um, we'll be moving over there the first Sunday in April. The first two Sundays in April are going to be what we call a soft opening. We're not really publicizing those two Sundays. It's kind of an in-house. You're all, you know, in-house, so we're excited to have all of you for those soft opens. But what we're going to be asking you as our congregation is to uh, realize that those are soft openings. Look for, some, look for some things that we would need to fix. Look for things that we would need to maybe make adjustments to, whether that's parking or that's people flow or traffic flow. We want to hear about your experience as you're coming into our new facility so that we can hone things and make them the best possible way that they can be. So um, those first two Sundays, be looking for those kinds of things. Now remember, when you call the church office to share those potential possibilities of doing better. Uh, do that uh, kindly, please, <laughs> as we go through that, right? So I'm sure there's going to be some growing pains. There's going to be some things that we have to work through. But uh, praise God, the buildings come together so much better than I ever imagined. Um, there's The balcony is going to be open, phase one, which we weren't planning that at the beginning. Uh, but the balcony will be open phase one, and uh, it's just going to be, it's going to be great. So we're excited about that and the opportunities that this new building, this tool that God is giving us will allow us to do more ministry through the week. And then, you know, training up leaders and you know, planting churches is a part of the vision that God set before us. So we're excited about uh, the opportunities for ministry that God gives us in this, this new home. All right. Do you have your Bibles today? Open them up to the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark. We're working our way through the book of Mark. It's been awesome so far. Um, man, I've really, really enjoyed doing all the studying that comes along with preparing for sermons. I love looking at the life of Jesus. There's just this, this overarching, this, this just filling of his life and words that just scream, I love you. I, as I read through it and I see how he spoke to people, how he dealt with people, I just get this overwhelming sense of the love of God. If you're here for the first time, maybe you're checking out church, maybe you're watching online, trying to figure out what this Jesus guy is all about, I just want you to know, if you don't hear anything else, hear this, Jesus loves you. I mean, he loves you so much so that he, he came and 
And as God, he put on flesh, became a man, and, and lived 33 years here on this earth. He experienced life as a human. I mean, to think that a creator, God, would do something like that is unimaginable. I loved how Andrew did communion this morning. There was something tangible. We touch the bread. We drink the grape juice. We can smell the grape juice. And we remember that amazing sacrifice that Jesus made for us because God loved us so much that he sent his only son to die for you and me. He knows that we would need a savior, that we would struggle with sin, that we would fail and fall on our face, and we would be desperate for someone who is better, greater, stronger. And he came and he did it for me and you. And it's all over this study that we've been doing in the book of Mark. Today we start this new series called Parables. Parables are like stories. And Jesus would tell these parables to tell the story. He would, he would kind of reveal truth by telling a story that he would say things like this. The kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God is sort of like this. And then he would paint these pictures and tell these stories and reveal deep, deep truths about who he was, the power of God, that he was the Messiah that had come to start this, bring this new covenant in to God's chosen people, that he was going to be a doorway that, that opened up salvation to not just the Jews, but the Gentiles, that everyone, that every single human being that walked the planet would have opportunity to turn and put their trust and faith in Jesus Christ. This was big, big news. This was world-changing news. This was Jesus, God, coming to earth, drawing a line in the sand, and making a way for everyone who would put their trust and faith in him. So he, he told these parables, and he would say these things and, and tell these stories, and it opened the eyes of the listeners. For those who have ears, let them hear. For those who have eyes, let them see, he would say. Today we start, we hear the first parable. It's neat. And Mark, Mark really focuses on the deeds of Jesus. But here we're going to hear the words of Jesus. Anytime that, you know, you're in a book and it has kind of themes that go throughout it, the themes in Mark really structure it around the deeds of Jesus so when Mark kind of points out the words of Jesus, it really made an impact on him. He wants us to hear this. It's powerful stuff. So I'm excited to share with you from Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. Let's pray before we read God's word this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so grateful. We are thankful for your grace and mercy. Father, I pray that you would give me the words to share this morning, that we would that we would come to know your truth in a new and fresh way. By the power of your spirit, open our eyes, open our ears, soften our hearts. God, we, we are dependent on you for that, and we pray that you would do it. God, I surrender to you. Use me. Give me the words to share in the way to share them for your glory, for your kingdom, and for our good. As we submit to the truth of your word, we bow before you. We surrender to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Mark chapter 4, God's word for us today. Again, he began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. This is something we've seen before in Jesus' ministry and what we know is that thousands and thousands, sometimes tens of thousands of people were coming to witness the miracles of God through God, Jesus. 
They were coming to hear someone that taught truth that sounded completely different than anyone they'd ever heard share truth. They came to hear a teacher that taught like no one before. These crowds were crazy. They, they wanted to see the miracles. They would press in upon Jesus to, to where he would be worried even about his life. That his, his family would watch these things happen and be like, watch out for it. These, these crowds are going to crush him. So here in this moment, we know there are thousands and thousands of people around to come and hear Jesus' teaching. So he gets into a boat, probably to protect himself, and gets out onto the sea and is teaching these thousands and thousands of people. And it says, and he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen. Now this word listen in the Greek isn't, isn't, isn't just listen. This is a strong command. He's saying, listen, hear me on this. What I'm about to share with you is vitally important. You've got, you got to follow me here. Jesus says, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Now other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears, let him hear. The purpose of the parables we find in verse 10. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. You might want to underline that. To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. So that, now get this, so that they may indeed see but not perceive. And may indeed hear but not understand. Lest they should turn and be forgiven. Wow. Whoa. Jesus is dropping a truth bomb right here. This is why Jesus taught in parables. First, he is fulfilling Old Testament prophecy. He's quoting Old Testament here. They may indeed see, but not perceive that Jesus is the Messiah, the one the world has been waiting on to come and make a way for all who would believe and put their trust in Jesus. He's the Messiah. The kingdom of God is at hand. That means the rule and reign, the power of God is at hand. It is here. It is in the flesh. Jesus is walking the planet. He's here. The kingdom of God is at hand. He's fulfilling Old Testament prophecy. He is showing this. He's fulfilling Old Testament prophecies and making sure that he can do what he said he would do. Think about this. If the mystery of the kingdom of God in the flesh, the power of God in the person of Jesus Christ, was fully revealed to the Pharisees, to the religious leaders, they would never have crucified the Christ. Jesus spoke in parables so those who could hear could hear, and those who were not to hear would not hear. 
Jesus fulfilled Old Testament prophecy, and he made sure that those who were supposed to know who he was would know who he was. And those who were not to know who he was would not know. We see the grand sovereignty and working of the will of God in Jesus' parables and how he shared this truth. The Pharisees had to have hard hearts. They couldn't know who Jesus was, the true Messiah. If they did, they would have never crucified him. Jesus would have never went to the cross for you and me. God had a job to do. In his sovereignty, in his mercy for you and I, hid the mysteries of who he was to those who weren't to know. Now get this. I also believe, as the pastors and I were going through this text, Joe shared with me a teaching that D.A. Carson had. And D.A. Carson says that Jesus withhold these mysteries, and it was a grace and a mercy, not just for you and I, it was a grace and mercy for the Pharisees. Now get this. That if the Pharisees had knowledge, if they, they had the knowledge that Jesus was truly the Messiah, the Bible says that in the end we will be judged by the knowledge that we have been given. Jesus was actually by grace and mercy protecting the Pharisees from having the knowledge that they would then be judged upon. So it's not just a mercy for you and I. It's, I think it was a mercy for the Pharisees. And we know what he said as he hung on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He withheld the knowledge, and that withholding was a grace to the Pharisees. Let's pick it up in verse 13. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Man, my job today is so easy. As, as I try and share the truth of God's word and reveal, you know, the meaning of, of what God's word and application to our lives, I, I work hard on that so that hopefully God's word is easy to understand. You can take it out of here and it, it empowers you through the week, through the power of the spirit. Jesus interprets this for us. Jesus has done my job for me. I, I can't do it any better. So here Jesus just lays it out on the line. The sower sows the word and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown when they hear satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them and these are the ones sown on rocky ground the ones who when they hear the word immediately receive it with joy and they have no root in themselves but endure for a while then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are, sown, are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. What Jesus is saying here is that we can respond to God in four different ways. 
We can respond to the truth of who Jesus is, the Messiah, the power and the kingdom of God, the gospel, the good news that Jesus brought in four different ways. And the first way is that we could res respond with a hard heart. And that's the first fill-in in your notes today. You could respond with a hard heart. The sower sows the word. That is God sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. The sower is the Lord. The soil is the human heart. Some are like trampled ground. Others are like rocky ground and others are full of thorns. And there are there are other hearts that are softened and receptive hearts that receive the word and take, takes deep root in their lives and it bears much fruit over their life. Now that's the heart that we're all hoping for, that the soil of our heart would be receptive to the, the word of God, that we would be a people that bear much fruit. But the first heart, this is a hardened heart. You've seen what the world does to the good guy, Right? It's a hard world. We talk about rainbows and unicorns being tornadoes and pterodactyls. But life can beat you down. The wickedness of this world can just kick us right in the teeth sometimes. We look at what goes on in our world today. You look at Russia invading the Ukraine and you see bodies in the streets and our hearts break and we weep at the loss and the tragedy and the families that are broken, separated, fleeing for their lives. And we go through personal things, that the loss of a job, or the loss of a loved one, or the struggle with sin that we have, and the difficulty that it is. And we look at all those things, and we can become overwhelmed, beaten down, and struggle, and and we have, we have good, valid questions. God, why? Why? Why does this happen? Lord, how long will you wait? How long will your patience prevail before you come and judge and, and make all the wrong things right? How, how long will we have to see and watch and experience the, the brokenness and the wickedness of sin that cuts us so deeply? We have to cultivate a soft heart to the truth of God's word. Remind ourselves of, of who God is, his grace and mercy. We remind ourselves of the good news over and over and over again and over and over and over again. That we, we become our own best preacher, preaching the gospel to ourselves. We see the wickedness of the world on our left, and we know the righteousness of God on our right. Now we have a choice. We can look and focus and meditate on the brokenness of the world around us, or we can look and focus and meditate on the greatness and goodness and righteousness and justice of God. And not becoming overwhelmed with what's warring on around us. It takes work to have a soft heart. But it takes work to have a hardened heart. It's a slow burn. It's like cooking a frog. Have you ever heard that? You don't throw a frog into boiling water. He jumps right out. You put him in lukewarm water and he's like, oh, this is nice. 
It's pretty nice. I'm used to the cold water. You turn the heat up, and over time, it's getting warmer and warmer. The frog doesn't notice. Next thing you know, you have boiling water and a cooked frog. Frog legs for dinner. Anybody do frog legs? Yeah, me neither. I don't know either, right? Who eats frog? You know, just kidding. I have tried them once. Tastes like chicken, like everything. No, but that's how sin works. That's how Satan works. He doesn't throw us into boiling water. He just, he just takes us from PG to PG-13. It's only two F-bombs, right? PG-13, it's only two F-bombs. That's all right. Then he takes us to R. Then you're like, ah, you know, it's, it's a little rough, but I can deal with it, you know. Then it's the next step, and the next step, and the next step. It's a slow burn. Next thing you know, we're the frog, and our hearts are hardened. And things that used to, that would break our hearts, that would draw us to repentance, are things that are fully accepted. Things that we're just, we're good with. It's okay. We can handle it. And this is the way that sin works. This is how our hearts become hardened. It's not overnight. It's over years, over decades. What was once offensive and disgusting is now accepted and celebrated. And we see it in society today. Abortion, premarital sex, living together before you're married, having children out of wedlock, gluttony, homosexuality, all of these things we would look upon 20, 30, 40 years ago and say, are you kidding me? There's no question all of these things are sin and abomination to God. There's no question about it. But over time, man, just that slow burn, man. Comedians joke about it, and at first you're like, oh, that comedian's so offensive. Ha, ha, ha. You laugh at it just a little bit. We laugh at it. Next thing we know, full on, laugh at it, accept it. And then society takes it a whole nother level, and they celebrate it. Put it up on a pedestal and make it normative. All the while, we know that God's word says and tells us the truth of sin. That it's not, that's not God's best for us. That, that, that God's best for us is better than what we think is best for us. We didn't get to where we are right now as a society overnight. It's been the slow burn. We were put into lukewarm water and it felt good. And now it's boiling. You know, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming again. You know what he's coming to do? To judge the quick and the dead. He is coming to judge. We each will stand before our Creator. If you have not surrendered to Christ, Give your life to Jesus. We look at society and the downhill, the downhill spiral that we have seen. God knew it was going to happen. It's all in here. He's coming again. Give your life to Jesus today. Don't try and get your life put together. Don't try and fix it. Don't try and make it right. 
Jesus says that he has come for those who cannot make their lives right. He has come to live a perfect life that you and I cannot live. We all, we all are sinners and have fallen short of the glory and righteousness of God. And each one of us, you and I, are desperate for a Savior. And Jesus is that Savior. And he says, put your trust and faith in the perfect life that I lived and you will be saved. That's all it takes. It's this free, amazing gift from God through his son Jesus, by grace, through faith in Christ alone that we are saved. We just got to recognize the slow burn and that we're in this boiling water. And surrender and repent and come to the Lord. That's what Jesus' message was. Repent, change. That's what repent means. It's a 180. Do a 180. For the kingdom of God is at hand. The power, the presence of God is here now. And Jesus is coming again. The culmination of the glory and the power of God in the second coming of Jesus. Let's move on. The next heart that we see is a shallow heart. Look at it in verse 16 with me, if you will. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away rocky ground where the seed can grow but it has no deep root to survive tribulation and persecution is talked about here first tribulation tribulation is hard times or trouble or suffering that's what persecution means these are hard times the difficulties of life maybe you maybe you hear it you've been sold christianity like this give your life to jesus and it's gonna be amazing He's going to give you everything you want. He has, he has more for you than you could ever dream or imagine. It's going to be amazing. He wants you healthy. He wants you wealthy. Give your life to Jesus. It's all amazing. Just have faith and he'll give you whatever you want. And that is a lie from the devil. That is a bait and switch. God loves you. In fact, he loves you so much, he sent his only son to die for you. And that's great, good news. But when he says, put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he also says, pick up your cross daily. You're not saved to an easy life. You're saved into a war that has been waging since the Garden of Eden. The, the powers of darkness and the powers of light. You are saved into a war. You're given a sword, the God's word, and you are put onto the front lines. Welcome to Christianity. It's not easy. It's not the easy life. It's not rainbows and unicorns. It is tornadoes and pterodactyls all the time, but it's tornadoes and pterodactyls with the one who created tornadoes and pterodactyls living inside of you, empowering you and strengthening you and growing you through the trials and tribulations and the difficulties of this life. You are not alone. That's what Christianity is. And not only are you not alone, the very creator of all things sends his spirit to live inside of you. 
It's not the absence of difficulty or tribulation. It's the presence of the one who has the power over all troubles and tribulation and suffering. The comforter, the creator, the healer, Jehovah in you and me. Don't be sold that false Christianity. God calls us to give our lives. But first, he gave his. He doesn't ask us to do anything he hasn't already done for us. What a good God. What a good God. Give your life to Jesus today. Then there's persecution. Persecution is to systematically organize a program to oppress and harass those who differ in origin or religion. Little definition there. The Bible tells us there we will be persecuted. The church will be persecuted. The church is a people, it's not a building, it's me and you. We will be persecuted. Persecuted. Persecution will be unavoidable for the church. But one of the things to survive persecution, a key to survive, anybody want to know a key to surviving persecution? Is believing the word of God. And holding fast to the word of God, writing it on our hearts, memorizing it, meditating on God's word, believing the word of God is inerrant, authoritative, and is everything we need for good works, for the works that God has set before us. It is everything we need. In Hebrews 4.12, it says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of the spirit of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The Bible also says that the, the heart of man is deceitfully wicked who can know it. The only one, that's a rhetorical question actually in the Bible, the only one who knows the human heart is God, the creator of the human heart. And what he's saying is that he uses this word to reveal our wickedness to ourselves. That he loves us way too much to leave us the way we are. And he is going to open our eyes to who we are by his word and the power of his word. Who here does not want to be the same they are today next year this time? Anybody? Anybody ready to grow? Just me? Okay. No, raise your hands high. Raise them high. We want to be a changed people. None of us have arrived. None of us have arrived at this righteousness where we just pat ourselves on the back and walk down the road. No. God is changing you and growing you. Do you know that? I feel like you might not know that. God is changing you. And I mean he is changing you. He is, he is unwilling to accept 99%. He is unwilling to accept anything less than perfection. I'm not saying you have to be perfect. I'm just saying you have to run after the perfect one. That's what we do. We run after the perfect one. And he, man, he is good. And he is going to change you and grow you because he loves you. The Bible also says in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God and woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. 
He doesn't say some good works. He doesn't say a few good works. He says every single good work that God has prepared for you. That is God's word. We, you want to survive persecution. Right here. Be steeped in the truth of the word of God. Hold on to it tight. Because I'm telling you, this is under attack. The word of God is under attack today. This is inerrant. Bibles, it is God-breathed. Men's hands may have penned it, but God's breath put it on the page. This is God's word for us. Unchanging. Reliable. Authoritative for me and you. And man, is that good news. The world's going to tell you that there is no truth. That your truth is your truth. And hey, man, live your truth. More power to you. And I'm going to live my truth. And they're going to live their truth. And they're going to live their truth over here. And they're going to live their truth over here. And God's word says there's one truth. In fact, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me, Jesus says. He is the truth. And he is revealed to us right here. Right here in these pages. If you want to have deep roots... Not that shallow soil. You want to have deep roots so that when the winds and the storms come, you're not just blown out of here. You're not pulled out away. You're not plucked. You want to have that deep roots? Go to God's word. It's found in the pages of scripture, God revealing himself in his word. Amen? The third is a distracted heart. We find it in verse 18. And others are, are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. A distracted heart. Jesus gives three things for this soil or this heart. The cares of the world, deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things. The first, the cares of the world. Have you ever become so consumed by what's going on around you that's all you can think about? I mean, you turn on Fox News and it runs 24-7. It's, it's on the TV while you're getting ready. It's on the radio as you're on your way to work. It's on the headphones while you're working. It's on the TV at work. You come home, you turn on CNN or Fox News or whatever you watch, and it's on there too. And I mean, every conversation you have is about what's going on. Every thought that's racing through your mind is about what's going on. I mean, it is, it is a huge, huge consuming thing. I mean, we've all been there. Whether it was COVID or it's Russia invading the Ukraine or it's the next big thing, we all have things that are in this world that distract us and draw our attention. And really what it's doing is drawing our worship. It's taking all of our time. Worship, worship defined as giving worship to something, giving something worth that it's worth our time, it's worth our energy, it's worth our meditation, it's worth our investment. And next thing you know, it is our worship. It's all we can think of. We dream about it. We think about it so consistently throughout the week and so consistently through the day that it keeps us up at night eventually. Next thing you know, your Apple Watch is going off saying, hey, your heart rate's up. 
We have become consumed by things that were not meant to consume us. There's one thing that was meant to consume us, and his name is Jesus. I'm going to fill you in on a secret. This is a big one. There's wars raging. There's pandemics everywhere and plagues everywhere. And there's sinners all around us. But here's the secret. Jesus has already won. Jesus has already won. We know the end of the story and that our creator God is sovereign over every single thing. And in the end, when he comes back, he is going to make every single injustice, every single wicked thing done, every single one of them, he is going to make right. Boom. Right? How in the world is he going to do that? How in the world can anyone, anyone make things right from what we've seen in this world? Let me tell you, the very creator of the universe is the only one who can. And that's what he's going to do. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live in this worry and this consuming thing. You can live knowing that the victory's been won and the one who loves you and cares about you and has a future for you. Man, that's the good news. We know the end of the story and we shouldn't live with distracted hearts. I started preaching, I lost my spot. The cares of this world can make us feel like we're in a fog. That we can't like see the hand right in front of our face. Has anybody ever driven through a real fog? I was making a cross-country uh, cross trip to go to school in Vancouver, B.C., driving from Dayton to Vancouver. And kids, back then you didn't have to have a passport to get in Canada, just saying. That's how old I am. But as we're driving across the country, I forget which state it was, I think it was Idaho. We're up in some hills, and we come into this fog. We have fog here in Ohio, but I'm telling you, not like fog where we were. This was, it was so thick. We're on this highway, the speed limit is 70 miles an hour, and I, I am doing two miles an hour, and I'm terrified. We stopped the car at one point. I get out of the car. I put my hand to my nose, and I couldn't see it. That's how thick the fog was. It was terrifying. It was terrifying. And I'm like, we're doing two miles an hour, cross-country trip. You plan your hotels, right? It was like a five-day trip. We had all these hotels planned and different things, and I'm going, this was not the plan. We have time. We, we got to make time. I, you know, we're supposed to be in 70 miles an hour, two miles an hour. How long is this fog going to last? Are we going to have to get a different hotel room? Are we going to have to do this? Are we going to rearrange all of our plans? I mean, that's, that's, what, that's what a distraction can do in your life. You're on the path. God's moving and doing things in your life, and you're just cruising at 70 miles an hour. Don't get distracted by the fog that sin and all this other mess brings in. You're not meant to do two miles an hour on a 70-mile highway that God has set for you. Don't be distracted. Don't let that fog come into it. The cares of this world, the cares of this world try to hide the cross. That's really what's happening at the root of all this. The cares of this world try to hide the cross. Because get it, get this. You will not, you will not be distracted 
if you're at the foot of the cross. If you're on your knees before our Lord and Savior at the cross, everything. God has this supernatural, miraculous power that when he opens our eyes to the cross of Christ, the sacrifice that Jesus made, everything else in this world just gets put in, gets put in its place. The troubles that we see as insurmountable, that sin that you've been struggling with, that you just can't see victory through, at the foot of the cross, it just withers and dies. The cares of this world and the wars that are raging and the plagues and pandemics that we see can be overwhelming and, and it could create such worry and anxiety in us. They will die. All of that fear and worry and anxiety dies at the foot of the cross. The cares of this world try to hide the cross. The second we, thing we see here is the deceitfulness of riches. Man, this is, he might as well just wrote this to America. What money can buy us. The mirage of security in the now and the hope of the future, this mirage that finances create for us. If we're not careful, we can start to think that money can provide ultimate security and hope for our future. But only God can provide that. Only God gives that. Maybe it's what money can buy us, prestige, admiration of others, being the envy of our neighbor. I don't want to keep up with the Joneses. I want to be the Joneses. I get this. As he goes on, and, and the third thing, he just piles it on. And I don't know if you've, you've noticed this in Scripture. Jesus does this. Paul does this. Peter does this. He gives us these specific things. And then in the last phrase, he gives us this huge umbrella. And it, it just, it covers all the things that we thought we could get away with. Right? If it's not the deceitfulness of riches or the, you know, that other stuff. He's like, he's like no, no, no. Deceitfulness of riches. And any other thing that could possibly distract you from what God has for you. And he really what, what we get out of this is that anything that we desire, value, treasure, or trust more than God will choke out the truth of his word. Anything that we desire, value, treasure, or trust more than God will choke out the truth that wants to take root in our hearts and change us and grow us. Last thing I want to share with you is a receptive heart. We can respond with a receptive heart. In verse 20, but those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. We hear and accept the gospel. We hear and accept the gospel. That God sent his only son to be born of the Virgin Mary, live a perfect life, living that perfect life in thought and in deed, that he healed the sick, that he raised the dead, that he cast out demons, and he was showing his power over darkness that then he would be crucified. He died a sinner's death. That death that you and I deserve, he took our place. He was the final, the very final sacrifice. His blood was shed for our sins. 
He lived the life we cannot live. He died the death that we deserve. And in so doing, he has made a way for all who repent and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ will be saved. Jesus is Lord. He is King of Kings. He is the Messiah. That's why he, write, he spoke in parables, because there was a mystery there that he is the Messiah, but there is an amazing truth there that we have been given that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah, and he has made a way for me and you. Do you believe? Do you believe? Now, church, this, this parable, you hear this, and and this is such a powerful, powerful parable for, for those of you who are here today and have not put your trust in Jesus Christ. Where's your heart at? What soil is in there? Is it a hardened heart? Is it shallow soil? Is it distracted? Or is it receptive to God's word? Put your trust in Jesus Christ. But, but those of us who here are here that are in relationship with Jesus, we have to guard our hearts. We have to, to guard that deposit that, that God's put in us, that we would fertilize that soil, that we would water that soil, that we would take in God's word, and that we would continually have this receptive heart to the continual change, this progressive sanctifying that God is doing in us. Do you have that receptive heart? Are you guarding it against that hardness of heart? Are you guarding it against shallowness? Are you continually diving deep into God's word? Are you guarding it against distractions in this world? Brothers and sisters, God's calling us deeper. God is calling us closer. Let us be a people that guard our hearts, that run after Jesus, and pour out our lives for his glory. Amen? Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and that to us it has been revealed that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the one who has made a way, God's only son. Thank you, Father, for Jesus. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for the power that we walk in because of the resurrection. And as we prepare to celebrate the resurrection this Easter, Father, we pray that you would continue to do that work do that work that only you can do by the power of your Holy Spirit that we would continually be receptive to your truth, to your change. And for those here that don't know you, make yourself real to them right now in the power and the glory of who you are through your spirit. Reveal yourself to them. Draw them unto yourself as only you can. We glorify you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand as we sing our closing song today.